Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we're going to have a wonderful conversation today that applies to everyone. You know, sometimes we talk to people and we're talking specifically to women or business owners or entrepreneurs or whatever. But I tell you what, the subject we're talking about today really is something that most people, many people, probably pretty much everyone will face at some point in their life. And that is being a caregiver for someone. And I'm not really talking about a caregiver for your kids. You know, yeah, I'm a caregiver for my husband when he wants dinner, all those things. We're talking about being a caregiver to someone who is ill, long-term or short-term. And so we're going to have a great conversation today with a gentleman who not only is an expert in this, he started an organization to help those people who are caregivers. So please join me in welcoming Todd Keats to our program today. Welcome, Todd. How are you? I'm great, Deb. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. We're going to have a great time. You know, and, and you say Todd or TJ. I've been calling you Todd for a while, so we're going to stick with Todd. But for people who know him, yeah, he also goes by TJ. Um, so let me tell people a little bit about you, and then we will jump into this. Todd Keats has been a lifelong social good evangelist. He has woven community engagement and social impact into his life since he was a teenager volunteering in senior living centers. Over decades, he has created intergenerational programs to build bridges within families and communities, volunteered as a hugger for Special Olympics. Oh my gosh, I did that too. That was so much fun. Developed business curriculum for high schools, taught in inner city schools for junior achievement, been a mentor for Big Brothers Big Sisters, and worked in the healthcare industry, consulting with major employers, hospital systems, pharmaceutical companies, and I lost my place in the bio and other entities, pardon. Further, he's also proud of the work he did consulting in the 2000s with the South Korean government related to technology companies. In 2023, his most recent endeavor launched called My Care Friends. It was born out of his experience as a caregiver and advocate for both of his parents who face life-threatening illnesses. My Care Friends, along with 17 Commerce, keeps him very busy. So again, Todd, welcome. Thank you, Deb. Thank you so much. And we had a very dramatic pause when I was reading your bio. How funny. Um, you know, I always like to ask my guests how they got to where they are today. And your journey really has been, as you said, one for social good. So talk to us more about, you know, everything that that has led up to this point. Okay. So I'm going to lead in with a little bit of corny humor because okay. that, that, that's part of my humor. Um so if my mom were to ask, how did you get how did you get to this point today? I would have said, a plane and a car and so forth. And she would have said, oh, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. So how did I get here? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a journey. We all mm -hmm. have a journey. Mm -hmm. uh, I most recently had been living out in California okay. and originally from the Philadelphia area. But I lived out in California for a long time. And in 2018, I was watching my mom on video like this. Mm -hmm. and something mm -hmm. wasn't right. So I came for a visit, took her to mm -hmm. doctors. One thing led to the next. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, 17 hospitalizations in the next 22 months. Wow. And that's what landed me here. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, because you needed to go to help take care of her. Yeah, it was really important. I mean, having the healthcare background that I had, mm -hmm. working with the companies that you mentioned, the types of companies, and you know, really having a pretty good knowledge of it, uh, 
I knew I was the guy, the mm-hmm. person right. to to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, not bashful. I have no problem asking questions, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about a lot about that mm-hmm. in terms of advocacy for a mm-hmm. loved one. Uh, and it just one thing led to the next, and I just needed to be here to make sure mm-hmm. that everything was okay. And I never got a chance to really to think about it when you have right. that many hospitalizations, mm-hmm. twenty two months. Every time you're out, you're back in. Right. You don't even cut the bracelet off, right? <laughs> no, you don't. Exactly. Yeah, we have some artwork with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And so it was caring for her. And then uh, she was hospitalized the 17th time, mm-hmm. uh, two weeks after COVID lockdown. Okay. So we weren't allowed in there. Right. We, we were called in to say goodbye to her. Uh, she didn't have COVID. She had mm-hmm. a lot of other stuff. Right. At the time, but all the COVID protocols were in effect. Absolutely. When we and so we were called in. My dad and I were called in to say goodbye, and mm-hmm. we had to put on the zoot suit at that oh. point. I mean everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and she pulled through. It was pretty incredible. And then three mm-hmm. months later, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Ah. And so then that next year and a half mm-hmm. to two years, two rounds of radiation, two rounds mm-hmm. of chemo, and it had spread. They told him he had a year left mm-hmm. and miraculously not going wood mm-hmm. for the last 20 months. It's been clear. So they're both at a relatively stable mm-hmm. point at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, my caregiving advocacy has gone from 24 seven, which mm-hmm. it was for mm-hmm. three years mm-hmm. to anywhere between five and 30 hours a week, depending okay. upon what's right. going doctor's on. appointments and all those yeah. various things. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, now, when so you were in Flo- in California, and they were in Florida, and and I know that it has become a permanent relocation. Had you thought it was going to be permanent when you said, "I have to go"? No, <laughs> <laughs> there was never even a thought about that. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to come, and you know, you're not thinking, okay, mm-hmm. somebody's going to be sick for a long period mm-hmm. of time, or. Mm-hmm. You just know things aren't right. So you go and you're focused on right. present. I'm very mm-hmm. much, I got to, I got to deal with what's happening. Mm-hmm. I really didn't think about that mm-hmm. as somewhere in the midst of all those hospitalizations, I was just thinking, wow, am I just going to end up being here? Mm-hmm. And eventually, yeah, it happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because then, as you said, your dad got sick. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that's obviously one of the the biggest challenges as we have older parents is, you know, it's, it's one thing after another. And usually when one gets sick, then eventually the other one does too. Um, if you, if you're fortunate to, to have still have both. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, nobody knows what the journey looks like. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you have, I mean, you know, personally, mm-hmm. you know, a diagnosis, you don't know exactly what that right. journey will look like because mm-hmm. everybody's journey is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have the healthcare journey, and then you have the whole caregiver advocacy mm-hmm. journey as a part of that. Mm-hmm. And you really don't know what that's like either. Right. For, um, mm-hmm. If you've been in those shoes before, you have an understanding. And mm-hmm. going in, I definitely had a lot of knowledge from mm-hmm. my experience within the healthcare industry. But I'll tell you, you till your your boots are on the ground, so to speak, and you're in that role, mm-hmm. you have no idea what that is. Right. Like. Right. Now you were a business owner, right? And and so what happened there? Yeah. So in 2012, mm-hmm. uh along with my dad and my brother, we co-founded a a company called Stock for Good, which mm-hmm. was to automate the stock donation process to nonprofit organizations. Mm-hmm. I love uh, it. Yeah. As we know from your introduction, mm-hmm. I, I I just like paying things forward mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. spoke to my ethos. Uh, so, um, and I was the CEO of that company and mm-hmm. you know, raised capital and built a team. We mm-hmm. built the software, we patented the software um, fast forward to when my mom was getting sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really didn't think, well, "What's what are we going to do at that point?" Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, "I got to go take care of my mom." Right. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's, that's what I did. And mm-hmm. that I kept thinking, okay, what do we got to do? What do we got to do? Mm-hmm. But it just kept happening. And mm-hmm. so two, three years runs by and that was it. I, I, we ended up dissolving the company. Okay. Okay. But that, you know, that brings up obviously a, a very good uh, discussion point is, you know, we've got, um, you know, we're, we're, we're off doing this, you know, this caregiving and the financial situation can be something that gets very tricky very quickly. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that I talk about with people is, you know, if, if, if you are the person with cancer, you know, it might be really hard, but frequently we have to continue working. You know, first of all, we have to, con- because it gives us something to think about, right? You know, we're focusing on the widget, the the proposal, the whatever it is that we're doing that day. But we also, you know, need the money. And more importantly, many times we need that insurance. If we're the caregiver, it's also a challenge. And, and especially when you, you know, uproot and move, you know, so... Is that something that my care friends, you know, is is part of the, you know, one of the discussions that you guys have is how people, because you have a lot of groups. And so we'll talk, you know, obviously in depth about my care friends, but do you help, you know, people with kind of, you know, how do we do this now fi- from a financial perspective? Yeah, there's a, there's a group within there called finances. Mm-hmm. So that's a group where members and membership is free. Mm-hmm. So people can go in. Right. I'm a member. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. (laughs) And yeah, so as a member, you could go and join the finances group Mm -hmm. and start posting questions. Mm -hmm. Hey, has anybody ever dealt with this situation or this is what I did in this situation? Mm -hmm. You could also create topics within the forum that you specifically want to moderate, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a a really great place for people to share their Mm -hmm. experiences. and. We're very agnostic in terms of groups. It's mm-hmm. not just the cancer group or this right. or that. Yeah, it's, it's healthcare. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, healthcare, right. caregiving, advocacy, healthcare, and then personal interest as well. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. what I had heard over and over again when I would go to Cleveland Clinic, which is mm-hmm. where I take my parents for everything here mm-hmm. in Florida, um, I, so I would ask people, they have the caregiver there with the patient, whether mm-hmm. it's a loved one or not. And mm-hmm. I would ask the caregiver, I'd say, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. And they would inevitably say in 99% of the cases, she's doing okay, or mm-hmm. he's having a rough time. Mm-hmm. And I would say, the question was, no, how are you, you. doing? Mm-hmm. Right. And they're shocked because mm-hmm. everybody's all, it's always mm-hmm. focused on mm-hmm. The patient, whether right. it's a loved one or somebody mm-hmm. that you're hired to care for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's um, it. This site can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. People can be anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. It's the computer. It's responsive. Mm-hmm. It's a responsive site where they can see it on their device, on their mm-hmm. phone, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just a great resource for people. Right. Yeah, you know, and and I've talked about this with you and and with others that. Our caregivers are definitely our unsung heroes. Um, you know, at, at every level, you know, I'm I'm gonna include our medical folks in there too. But you know, for our loved ones and our friends, and even maybe our business associates, people like that who are helping us, we in so many cases, we take it for granted. We take them, we we as in the patient, you know, we assume that they're gonna do everything for us. I mean, I scheduled one of my surgeries one time then asked my husband, you know, hey, can you, you know, and it wasn't could, I believe it was, you need to take X day off. And he said, well, I can't. Um, And so then, you know, it was like, okay, well, you know, we had somebody else take me. So that really wasn't a big deal. But, you know, and I had my mom do the same thing um, with me. She called me, this was several years ago. And she said, now I'm an only. And she said, hey, I'm having gallbladder, I think was what it was. Um, and, and I need you to come back to Colorado to, to take me to the hospital and deal with me for the week. I already had plans. I had a vacation planned. Well, the vacation did not happen. Right. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, it is, it's as we, we, like I said, we take our caregivers for granted and let's be honest, we frequently don't tell them thank you. 
Um, you know, and, and so it's it, that's one of the things that I really strive to do is to to say thanks, even if it's something as simple as, hey, they handed me a Kleenex. Um, you know, but and and so I think the caregivers obviously is as you said, they they get left out of this. And so to have a, a website and an organization like yours to be able to support them, I think is just absolutely critical and and uh, you know fabulous at the same time. I, I agree. <laughs> um, I, I want to say something because you mentioned the caregiver and and there's there's a program we're going to be doing now. So we have the online mm-hmm. site. Uh-huh. The community. We also do a lot mycarefriends.com. of exactly mycarefriends.com. And we also are creating a number of programs. That'll be a series of different types of programs mm-hmm. on different topics. Right. And we're, we've got five very much in the works and another five mm-hmm. that over the next couple of weeks we'll be mm-hmm. getting going in development. Mm-hmm. One of them happens to be about the ripple effect of caregiving. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be looking at that. We're collaborating with somebody mm-hmm. pretty cool and awesome. So I can't share yet who. Um, and it's really important. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just really, really important because it does have a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not you have the person who's being cared for, you have the caregiver, mm-hmm. but then you have how does that caregiving ripple effect to right. the rest of the family? Right. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when when I was so sick, you know, obviously my husband, you know, needed to spend as much time with me as he possibly could. So that affected the people he worked with. You know, they were going to have to take up that slack and do the things that he did, um, you know, and and so, you know, we we ended up with, uh, you know, my mom came. And so, you know, I had multiple caregivers, so I was very lucky in that. And so then Tom was able to go to work and do what he needed to do. And there was somebody with me. And if for some reason mom needed to, you know, a break, right? Because caregivers need breaks. Let's, let's be honest about that. Um, you know, and, and, you know, then, then other people would come, you know, I, it, it was one of those things where I was very fortunate that I was almost never alone when I was in the hospital. And so, you know, and the staff loved that too, because they knew there was somebody in there keeping tabs on me, but yeah, it, there is, there is a ripple effect. And, and, you know, obviously for many people, you have kids that you have that are at home, you know, they can be any age anymore. Right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, who's going to be taking care of them now, obviously it's, it's a big issue when they're, they're young, you know, because you might be, you know, providing assistance for them, driving them, going to their school programs, helping them with homework, feeding them, you know, all of those things. And, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, I think it's one of the biggest challenges that people face is how to be that caregiver. And more importantly, how to take care of themselves. You know, I, I use this analogy a lot of the, the um, airplane oxygen masks, you know, we're told, when the oxygen mask drops down, you put yours on first, then you help the person next to you. And I think that is so important because we all, you know, as that caregiver, if we get sick or even if we just get tired, you know, or cranky, that never happens. Um, but, you know, we have to take care of ourselves first because if we don't, then we cannot take care of someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I- that phrase is so, so perfect mm-hmm. for what needs to be done. And it's often easier said than done. Oh, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it took me t- two, three years to mm-hmm. really, to really step back. Mm-hmm. I didn't, when you're thrown into it and you don't have that experience mm-hmm. before, right. there's so many things you're trying to juggle and figure mm-hmm. out talking with doctors, looking at tests, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. basically doing everything and mm-hmm. the schedule, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Finally, I, you know, when there was a break, I got to breathe and okay. Oh, this feels good. I got to right. do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, as, as you were saying, caregivers are thrown into a situation that they, in, in most cases do not have the experience to deal with. Um, you know, and, and then you toss in that there might be various bodily things going on, right? That, you know, oh, oh my God. 
you know, there are certain things I can deal with. There are certain things I cannot, um, you know, and, and, but that said, if you have to, you do, um, you know, and, and, and I think that's, you know, that, that was one of the things too, that, that I was just amazed at my husband at was the things that he had to help me do that I knew he, he really did not want to be doing, um, you know, but it needed done. And, you know, and, and same thing with taking care of my parents and, and things like that. You know, when I had to help a nurse do a catheter on my dad, I was uh, absolutely mortified. <laughs> you know, that was not something that I had ever wanted to do, see, hear, touch. I mean, right. But it needed done. Um, you know, and, and so you, you do it, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it is such a challenge. Yeah. And, and to your point about, we'll say the icky parts of it, mm -hmm. there's, I don't think anybody goes, Oh, Oh, me, me. I'll, yes. I'll, I'll change that. that bandage. I'll clean up that whatever. Right. <laughs> All right. I can remember when I was eight, nine years old. Mm -hmm. And that was my first experience. I mean, I, I wasn't a caregiver, 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 mm -hmm. but I helped out with right. my uncle who came to live with us for a year who, you know, ended up, he had a colostomy. Ah. And so I was sometimes the one who would help go and take it to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. and That was uh, a fun task. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't want to come play football with you today. I want to do this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but anyway, back to your point. Yes, that's, that's, um, that's a real challenge for folks. And it's amazing how many millions do it who, right. mm -hmm. who didn't sign up to do it originally. Right. Well, and, and let's face it, in many cases, it was a true emergency. Right. You know, it was, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. You know, this person was well an hour ago and now they're not, um, you know, and, and, or it may have been gradual things like that, but yeah, things that you, you really, you know, and it, you, you hadn't planned on, you hadn't trained on, right. You know, all these various things. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just to be that caregiver is, and, and, but then to still be doing everything else. I mean, like we said, many of them are working. So how on earth do you try and balance all of this? Yeah, that's the biggest challenge for anybody who's a caregiver, uh, to whatever degree you're a caregiver, uh, because it rarely goes as planned. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you, so even if for your mind you're thinking, okay, let's just say on the on the the small, and I don't mean small, <clears throat> but the least amount of time end, if that makes right. sense. Mm -hmm. Somebody who three hours a week is helping with mom, right? Mm -hmm. and, but during those three hours, that usually is not just three hours, even right. if it's mm -hmm. three hours. But then also it ends up where there's a trickle down. And the trickle down being maybe you didn't get back to your work on time and now you have less time there or mm -hmm. you could get because you hit rush hour traffic. There are just mm -hmm. so many things. It's There's one thing which I always say to folks. It's what's the rhythm finding the rhythm and it's very hard to find that rhythm mm -hmm. right yeah yeah right. it's a challenge it's, there's no question about well, yeah, it because it's you can't plan on it like we said i mean you know it's like okay well i have to take you know my mom to the doctor her appointment is at one so i'll be there at noon the appointment lasts a half an hour i should be done by 2 30 well no the doctor's running late <laughs> you know and, and oh we got to go get a prescription and oh she really wanted me to take her to the grocery store right you know and and so pretty soon it's six o'clock and you know and, and we're like hmm, that didn't work yeah yeah exactly i mean it's hard i mean I, I i take care of everything in terms of scheduling and so forth so that's really if you're a caregiver mm -hmm. to an advocate my suggestion is be the one who does that talk mm -hmm. to your loved one and say mm -hmm. hey look i'm happy to help but i need to have control of the schedule right. overall yeah i need i need I to say that it. it's tuesday afternoon that, right. exactly. that i take you yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's if at all possible mm -hmm. that's the best mm -hmm. way right you know and and i think that's one of the things that is so important is the caregiver does need to 
take control. I mean, as much as possible. And, and, you know, I tell people that as, as a cancer patient, we are the ones in charge. You know, we need to say, this is what's going on. This is the treatment that I'm picking, all of those various things. But it does have to go hand in hand with, like I said, you know, I told my husband, I'm having surgery this day and you will take me. And he went, no, I won't. Um, you know, and, and so it's, it is obviously more of a partnership, I think, than, than anything. And, and we as the patient forget that, right? Because we're sick we're whiny, we're whatever it is. And why aren't you wanting to take care of me when I want you to take care of me? Um, you know, and back to that whole gratitude thing. I really need to be grateful for the fact that you, you can't do Tuesday, but we could do Wednesday, right? Yeah. And I'm going to dovetail onto that. There's also the other aspect of the person who is mm -hmm. the patient. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of guilt that comes along mm -hmm. with that as well. And right. the guilt the feel for somebody having mm -hmm. to take having to mm -hmm. take this time to mm -hmm. care for them, to do mm -hmm. all this. And mm -hmm. it it's, and the, the biggest challenge is the communication part mm -hmm. and communicating with your loved one and mm -hmm. both, both directions mm -hmm. uh, so that we understand how we're each feeling about this mm -hmm. and that we understand our roles and where right. we can step in. Mm -hmm. That's, and often that's really, mm -hmm. it's challenging even for two healthy people. Right. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that's it, it. Best case scenario, just try to have those conversations mm -hmm. and check-ins with each other mm -hmm. to see how it's going. It'll be a better experience mm -hmm. for both. Right. You know, and, and you mentioned guilt. One of the other things is anger. You know, me as a patient, I'm angry that this happened to me, that my plans, my life have changed, all of these things. But the caregiver is angry also. They're angry for us. They're angry at us. Let's be honest. You know, um, it's not that we did this on purpose most of the time. <laughs> um, but but yeah, there's anger. I've been you know talking with a, a friend of mine who is going through a, a situation with with her spouse, and she's stuck in the anger mode. And I feel so bad because it, neither of them are are doing what needs to be done because everybody's mad. Um, you know, and, and, and anger is part of that grief thing. And I think that's one of the things that we forget is when there is a serious illness, again, long-term or short-term, we do go through those stages of grief, you know, and it's not that I'm, you know, it, it's that we grieve that this happened to us, that our plans changed, you know, all of these various things. And, and obviously there's different degrees, but anger is, is a big part of that. Yeah, it, it is. Sometimes it's very overt and you mm -hmm. know, somebody's angry. Right. A lot of times you don't know because they're mm -hmm. holding it inside. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and that, and then that gets projected in mm -hmm. different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, uh, I'm a big proponent of having outside help mm -hmm. to work through. Right. Uh, if, especially if it becomes a really very chronic situation, mm -hmm. you have something which there's just a lot going on. Right. Mm -hmm. um, talk to somebody. I mm -hmm. mean, it could be the you could be doing it together, which mm -hmm. doesn't often happen in this kind mm -hmm. of scenario. But mm -hmm. you as a caregiver, mm -hmm. and certainly you as a patient, right. It mm -hmm. can be helpful as much as people right. may go, I don't want to talk to anybody. But you know what? Talk to that person. Get it out. Spew mm -hmm. it. Just get uh -huh. it out. Mm -hmm. Because right, right. it's better than spewing it back to the, your mm -hmm. loved one. Right. And you know, and, and there's obviously a variety. I mean, you know, you you've got your friends, you've got clergy, you've got, you know, and and then if you need it, you know, there are support groups. Um, and then obviously, you know, if if it's severe enough, mental health counselors, you know, and and there's nothing wrong with saying, I need help. And it's really funny because I can say, I need help dealing with the fact that I have cancer, but I don't want to tell anybody that I'm cranky, <laughs> right? Or, you know, and, and so it's, it's, it's perfectly fine, you know, because if, if we're dealing with mental health issues at whatever degree, it is going to hamper our healing process. And I think that's what many people forget. Yeah. Well, let's face it. Most people are, as much as people don't want to admit it, mm -hmm. many people, everybody's dealing with a mental challenge mm -hmm. going through this right. dynamic mm -hmm. it, to whatever degree. Mm -hmm. it, you know, and so it's there. And mm -hmm. your point you made a moment ago, 
yeah, we have friends and family, different mm-hmm. people we can talk to, but often it's it's just more constructive and healthier to talk to somebody outside of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. somebody who doesn't know, because you know, if you're saying, well, I'm feeling very angry at my partner, they might know the partner. You know, they probably do if you're, you know, and, and so then that kind of biases how they might help you. Absolutely. In, 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 impartial and it, an impartial person is always great. Somebody mm-hmm. who's just outside of the circle, mm-hmm. so to speak. Right. And it, and if you talk to the uh, the facilities where you're getting your care, mm-hmm. often they have recommendations of right. people. Mm-hmm. Depending upon what you're going through, mm-hmm. often it's no cost. Mm-hmm. So, all right, mm-hmm. yeah, that's important to understand too. Because some mm-hmm. people also think they may want to go and they go, "Well, I I I don't have the finances to mm-hmm. be able to do that." Mm-hmm. Ask. I always say, ask. Right. Talk mm-hmm. to your facility. Talk and see mm-hmm. if there are those kind of services, right. especially well, cancer services. Yeah. And and your employer might have an employee assistance program, things like that. Um, you know, and and it is a challenge as as we've been talking about. You know, illness in the workplace. There's so many things to have to deal with there because you know if we're the employee, we don't. You know, whether we're the caregiver or the patient, we might not want anybody to know that there's something going on because then they might think we can't do our job, which then means we don't have our job. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, there's those issues and, or you might've talked to your HR people or your boss or whoever and said, Hey, here's what's going on, but I don't want anybody else to know. So then they get really cranky because, well, all of a sudden Todd's leaving every day at three. How come Todd's leaving every day at three? How come I have to do Todd's work? Um, you know, and and so it just it's it's such a challenge. And as you said, you know, everybody goes through this differently. You know, I've been very open with what I'm going through. People, but but at the same point, do I tell them every single detail? No, they don't need to know the ooks, the icks, the, the, even the whinies, um, you know, they don't need to know that, but they, you know, there, there are varying degrees. Like my clients know that every 21 days I have an infusion and which knocks me down for about two days. So they know, okay, Debs might not be able to respond for a couple of days, but she'll be back in, you know, after that, you know, do they, ask for details. Some of them know more, some of them know less. Um, you know, I'm fine if they want to know, I, I don't care. And, and to be honest, if somebody said, well, we don't want to work with you, well, then I wouldn't want to be working with them. Um, but, but it is, it's, you know, when, when we're having to deal with, the, especially in the, you know, in the workplace, it's, it is a challenge, you know, how much do you share? How much do you not, you know, hold, you know, how much do you hold back? All of those things really play into this. Yeah, that's a big topic. That's another program that we're going to be doing is about uh, mm-hmm. employers and caregivers. Right. And so it's a it's yeah, because there's federal and state laws that apply also. Mm-hmm. Right. And 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 beyond that, mm-hmm. how do employers support caregivers? Mm-hmm. And right. There's a little bit more work that overall that companies are doing, but there's a lot more that they can be doing overall. Right. And it's really well, important. And, and it is a challenge because they want to have empathy. They want to support their employees, but they have a job that needs to be done. Um, you know, and and so it's and, and like we said, yeah, there are federal and state laws and, and all sorts of things. But there's also the human aspect of it. Uh, you know, I remember years ago, uh, a friend uh, was dealing with uh, her husband had terminal cancer and the company that she worked for, they allowed employees to give their sick days to her. And I just thought that was such a wonderful thing. Uh, you know, and and it's it was probably a bookkeeping nightmare because they were huge. I mean, you know, so trying to figure all that out. But it, it meant that she still got paid. Um, you know, and and but then of course the thing was she was one of these people who everybody loved. What if it's an employee that you're like, Ugh, we're kind of glad they're not here today. <laughs> Right. So then it's how do we take care of them in an in an equitable way? Absolutely. Yeah, that that's a great question and a mm-hmm. great example. Um, there's a lot of a, a lot of conversation mm-hmm. about this. There's a lot of important points that employers mm-hmm. need to consider, both mm-hmm. from the work and the mm-hmm. human side mm-hmm. of it. And uh yeah, it's it's it can be a real challenge for right. sure. Right. 
So one of the things that, that you mentioned that I think is absolutely critical in all of this is the the advocacy portion, the asking the questions, all of those various things, which is what you had to do. Um, you know, and, and me as the patient, you know, I needed to make sure that my husband was going to advocate for me. And so, of course, the, the first thing was, you know, let hopefully before anything happens, right? You let them know here's, you know, here's what I want. And it can be to the, the, you know, the extreme, obviously, of am I an organ donor? Um, you know, all of those various things. Uh, you know, I, I had said, don't intubate me. And then I woke up and I was intubated. That was not fun, but it was just post-surgery. So it wasn't a, a big deal, but um, that was really made me go, I don't want to like, you know, I didn't like that. But, you know, your, your, your caregivers need to know what your wishes are. Um, you know, and, and, and I tell people, you know, if you're getting ready, you know, if you have the opportunity to plan, right. Um, then make sure that you have your living will, your real will, you know, all of those various things in place. But again, you know, who is your advocate? It can, that can be a challenge. You know, if it, you know, maybe, you know, you mentioned that you have a brother. Well, what if he, you know, he all of a sudden decided he was going to be in charge. You know, there's, there's so many issues to, to consider. So we, as that potential patient have just got to, you know, as you said, communicate and say, here's what, what I want to happen. Yeah. So that's a huge topic. Uh, I mean, certainly people and they not, Everybody does this and look at your, what your advanced directives are, get those in place, get your power of attorney mm -hmm. in place, get your will, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a DNR? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all these mm -hmm. are important. And certainly the healthcare surrogate, who's your healthcare mm -hmm. surrogate? Right. Make sure that is a legally mm -hmm. binding document, mm -hmm. not just, oh, okay, you're going to be it. Right. When it comes down to it, unless mm -hmm. it's in a legal document, mm -hmm. it means nothing. Right. Especially sure. if somebody challenges that. Oh, absolutely. Over and above that, one thing I it's really important to point out is each healthcare facility has their own protocol, their own rules around mm -hmm. it. You yeah. could you could share with them, okay, your power of attorney, your healthcare surrogate. Mm -hmm. That may not mean anything to them. Mm -hmm. right. They make their own document mm -hmm. that you have to use. And mm -hmm. and that's important because a lot of people don't even realize that. I had no idea that, yeah, my my medical power of attorney and my wishes were not quite worth the paper they were printed on, um, you know, and, and it varied from state to state. It also, you know, could depend on are you in a hospital that is run by a religious organization, you know, and, and you know, all these various things. And I think we've seen some of these issues obviously because of some of the things that have been going on in the world coming up with what can be done and what can't, you know, just because you say I want, or I don't want, they don't have to follow that. Yeah. It's so it, exactly. And so it's really important. That's one of the first things. I mean, you're not, the first thing you're thinking about when something happens, is it, okay, I got to give them my power, you know, mm -hmm. so what is the power of attorney? Who's the healthcare surrogate, mm -hmm. but you as a caregiver, as an advocate, mm -hmm. You have to think about that and know where those documents mm -hmm. are right. so that you can mm -hmm. provide the document mm -hmm. and ask the facility, mm -hmm. are there any additional documents that you yeah. have mm -hmm. I need mm -hmm. to complete to get mm -hmm. that done? It's just so important. Right. Well, and as that advocate, you also have to be prepared to follow what the patient's wishes are. You know, you you might, they might say no DNR and you're like, keep them alive no matter what. You know, it's, it is a challenge. It is. And that's about respecting the wishes mm -hmm. of the patient. And, right. uh, and I've seen those situations mm -hmm. where uh, a, a, a loved one, a parent mm -hmm. has a DNR mm -hmm. and doctor calls and says, okay, um, you know, we're not going to do anything or, or mm -hmm. do you have a DNR? Yes. Are you going to do any, we won't do anything, mm -hmm. but one of the siblings says, no, mm -hmm. no, no, no. So right. it's really important mm -hmm. uh, to follow the wishes. Well, and to understand what they mean. You know, I, I had a friend whose father-in-law um, had ALS, so Lou Gehrig's disease, and he had uh, a very specific protocol and, and everything. And one of the things he had said was, you know, he did not want intubated. 
because, you know, it, it, obviously a lot of times with someone with ALS, they can, you can intubate them and then they can go on for a very long time, but they have to continue to be intubated, which is like I said, not a fun process. Um, and so, you know, they, they, they all knew that they knew that was what he wanted. He went into the hospital for a ruptured appendix and they intubated him because that did not pertain to the ALS. It was a different diagnosis. And, and of course, once they intubated him, they couldn't remove it. And, and she said, I remember the anger in his eyes because that was pretty much the only way he could communicate. You know, the, the, the doctors were thinking, save his life. His appendix have ruptured. Um, you know, and, and so, yeah, it, it was, these, these situations can get very tricky, very quickly, very tricky, very quickly, very complex. Mm-hmm. Right. No doubt. right. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Absolutely. But, but we, as that patient absolutely have to have people who are our advocates who are going to ask those questions, all of those things. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I advise people when they're dealing with their initial cancer diagnosis is when you go for that initial visit where whichever doctor is telling you, we are going to do, you know, this is what you've got. We're going to do this, this, and this, if at all possible, do not go by yourself, you know, because I, you know, I tell people when we go to the doctor and we've got the flu, we go home and we go, when was I supposed to take that medicine? <laughs> right. But when we have something as serious as cancer or, you know, some other very critical diagnosis like that, our brain shuts off and the doctor might explain things in great, wonderful detail. And we'll still go home and go, Ugh. you know, and, and so we need that advocate to go with us to ask. Maybe they're going to ask those questions that I'm not brave enough to ask or, you know, make sure that I understood that they were saying, okay. Here's what's going to happen, um, you know, and, and so it's very important to have that person who goes with you, ask questions, take notes, you know, thank God for COVID, you know, being over now because we can, we can see, look there, I wiggled and I made my camera go. Um, the, uh, you know, we, we can have someone who goes in with us to, to be our advocate. Yeah. Uh, everything you just said, you know, mm-hmm. you have. You have a situation where you're dealing as a patient, you're dealing with a diagnosis and Mm -hmm. it just, you said your mind shuts down. It's right. Mm -hmm. You're just thinking about so many other things and you, Mm -hmm. it's hard enough when you are not, Mm -hmm. you don't have a diagnosis and Mm -hmm. you're sitting there with a clear mind to be Mm -hmm. able to ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. But once that happens, so the, the person, the advocate, it's really important for the advocate to understand the patient's rights. Mm And vis-a-vis your rights as caregiver to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. And there's something called the Patient's Bill of Rights. It's Mm -hmm. on the American Hospital Association website. Mm -hmm. But also each hospital typically has Mm -hmm. their own. Right. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like similar, but Mm -hmm. a little different in ways. But it's all about the same thing. You have the right to all the information. Mm -hmm. It's about you, et cetera. How do you get that, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, because if a doctor says, well, you know, we can't share that with you. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, and obviously it's not just a doctor, it's all the medical care people. Oh yes. Um, I- but, but yeah, it's, it is, you know, and, and again, you know, everybody has to know everything in advance, communicate well. We, we as patients and, and you know, as caregivers also, we tend to think they're the doctor. They know it all. No, you know, they're wonderful. They save our lives, all of these various things, but they're not mind readers. And, and I think that's one of the things that, that we need to keep in mind also. Yeah. I always say doctors are in it because they care. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it it can't be misconstrued. Like a lot of people think, oh, well, they're making a gazillion dollars. Well, they really don't anymore. I mean, unless you Top, top, top. Many of them never pay off their loans, right? right? (laughs) Because they care. They want to help people. Mm -hmm. But I think, and I I stress this over and over, is that we have to understand they're human. Mm -hmm. And we also have to understand in this day and age, they're swamped Mm -hmm. typically, especially if they're a teaching institution, Mm -hmm. a clinic. Mm -hmm. They're being dictated to about their patient load Mm -hmm. and how how much time Mm -hmm. they can spend with it. So it's not that they're not caring. It's Mm -hmm. that they're 
they have a boss. They mm-hmm. have a job. Just yeah, like they're you told you will job. see 10 patients in an hour. A- absolutely. And, and they've got a whole thing mm-hmm. going on. So it's the bringing it back to the advocate. Mm-hmm. It's the advocate's job to understand that mm-hmm. and say, look, I understand you're swamped mm-hmm. and you have so much going right. on. Can you help me understand? Can you help mm-hmm. us understand? Because mm-hmm. if you can bring them down and, and get at least a little bit of their anxiety from their mm-hmm. job, right? you're co-creating mm-hmm. that experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and then, you know, ask like, uh, you know, if, if, if I send you an email, is that a faster way? You know, like my, my endocrinologist, oh my gosh, the man is the most tech fan- friendly doctor I have ever had. When I send him messages, I don't think it's ever more than 30 minutes for him to respond. Um, you know, and, and, and sometimes they're very long answers. Now that, that probably throws his entire day off. And so I've been known to actually put in there, no rush on the response, you know, just had a quick question about this or something like that. But, you know, for some of them that that's good, you know, I communicate with my oncologist's office through emailing the nurse in their system. Right. And we do that with our primary care docs. So sometimes there are just other ways to communicate rather than actually going in and sitting down and, and doing an appointment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and depending upon the system, often it's not mm-hmm. even the doctor who's doing the first read of it. Right. It's mm-hmm. their nurse or mm-hmm. it's one of the other staff that's mm-hmm. estimating, okay, they got to prioritize because mm-hmm. yeah. they have so many. This patients. looks fast. Oh, this one's more complicated. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Right, right. Well, you know, I, you, we talked about the fact that you have been involved in social impact your entire life. Why? Were your parents like that? Was this is this something that you were raised to do? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think back when I was a kid and some of my earliest fondest memories are were of going with my dad. My dad was um, early on. I mean, he was probably in his mid to late twenties. Um, and I was a little kid. Um, he was a member of Kiwanis. Ah, mm-hmm. very much a philanthropic organization. Exactly. A great civic organization. Mm-hmm. And, and I used to go with him on peanut day. I ah. don't even know if they still have it, but they used to have peanut day once mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. And there'd be these little, you know, before the the planes had the little packets of peanuts, mm-hmm. one had these bags of peanuts, and you would go at the corner of an intersection mm-hmm. and you know, hand out, and I guess people drop a, a mm-hmm. dime or a quarter in back then, and or a Krugerrand, as happens every once in a while, right? <laughs> so, yeah, right. So that's where it started, I'm sure. And my parents were both very giving, very uh, generous, mm-hmm. like folks, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I, as you had mentioned in the introduction, starting when I was 16, when I first could drive, just going and volunteering at senior assisted mm-hmm. centers and helping, you know, just, it could be just sitting there listening to them. Mm-hmm. It could be playing bingo with them. Mm-hmm. And it often was also helping them record their life mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. So that's where it all started. I love it. So your parents have thankfully stabilized. And so you decided well, hey, I don't have anything else to do. I'm going to start My Care Friends. So talk to us more about that. Yeah. So, yeah. So after the first few years and then having put the other business to the side and mm-hmm. dissolved that, uh, what's next? Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm now in Florida. I now still have caregiving patient advocacy mm-hmm. responsibilities how do I design life at that mm-hmm. point? And so first I wrote the blog, mm-hmm. uh, which is right up here, one day, one week. And then I had the podcast, uh, which I do once a month, mm-hmm. uh, not nearly as much as you do, but uh, and but I wasn't going to reach the audience and do really what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I came up with a concept for My Care Friends. It didn't have that name when we first started. And I went to a friend of mine here in Florida, Yolanda. And I just said, Hey, I know you, you develop websites, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Could, you, would you be interested in helping? And she said, yes. And mm-hmm. we started doing it. Then I brought two more old colleague friends in mm-hmm. and yeah, so that's kind of where it started. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been a, 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 like every startup it's had its ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And now we're just going like this. Cause we have so many great mm-hmm. things. Going on. I love it. 
So where do you get your funding? Because you mentioned like somebody like me, I join and it's free for me to join. Yeah. So the monetization of it is different avenues. It's through, okay. in part through the programming that we are working on now. Mm-hmm. Now we've only been around for five months, not mm-hmm. even five months long. Right. So um, we wanted to get the community out there and then mm-hmm. the monetization mm-hmm. right. kind of comes later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then it'll be the program. So with the programmings, there's monetization strategy with each of those. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a marketplace that will be going up. It's okay. right there. It's minor. We haven't made it a big announcement mm-hmm. about it yet because um, we're still building it out. There'll mm-hmm. be a marketplace mm-hmm. there. We'll be doing some great collaborations related to that. That'll also be monetized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's we have two other significant aspects that we have started to work on that'll be launched either toward the end of the year mm-hmm. or 2025 that will okay. also be revenue generating. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I love it. Well, you know, I'm, you know, the, the website again is mycarefriends.com and you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I obviously I have the site open and I'm, I'm looking at it. So people join, how many people have joined in the, in the five months? How many members do you have? That's a great question. I'm going to say at this point, 170. Okay. Okay. That's, that's a good number. You know, and what I love is, as you mentioned, there's groups and you set them up or people can suggest, Hey, you know, I want to talk about this. And then you go in and you interact with the other people who are there. And I think that is, is so important. Um, You know, and it's anything and everything. I mean, like the, the, the ones that came up right here for me, Mindfulness and meditation, travel, self-care, right? We talked about how important they cooking and food. So I'm gonna have to look at that one. Dementia and Alzheimer's, distance caregiving, right? My mom lives in Kansas, I live in Atlanta. So that's gonna be something that that I'm gonna pay attention to. And that's just the first level. I mean, there's when I click load more, it loads and it loads and it loads and it loads. I mean, there are so many opportunities. So I love that you are working very actively to reach everyone with what their needs might be. Um, Now, do you monitor the groups or are they pretty much kind of self-regulated? Yeah, we look at the groups. We monitor, you know, we have filters built in so that if anybody wants to use a bad word or Mm -hmm. something, it gets filtered out. When you're angry, sometimes you might type those bad words, right? (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we have those filters in place and it's a safe environment. Mm -hmm. uh, And, so, yeah, we monitor because we also have to keep track. We interact mm-hmm. uh, as needed with different posts that have mm-hmm. been made. We're putting up mm-hmm. new groups. Um, you know, like we have the Dr. Raj group mm-hmm. for sleep. So it's Sleep by Dr. Mm-hmm. Raj, um, who's a great, great, great human being. Mm-hmm. And so people can interact with him. They can mm-hmm. go in and pose a question and okay. they'll ultimately mm-hmm. respond. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 really it's, it's cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Well, and like we said, I mean, there's so much, so we've got sleep by Dr. Raj. We've got legal, right? That's a biggie. Um, holistic healthcare. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that just because, you know, we, we have this very established Western medicine, there are also other things that we need to be doing, even if it's just, what's your diet? Are you meditating? I mean, all of those various things. Um, let's see, we've got caregiving dads, uh, safety, right? That can be a huge issue, especially you know, in, in some of the, the situations that we're dealing with. So, you know, it's what I love is, you know, it's it's kind of what we alluded to before. Sometimes it is so much easier to talk about situations and difficulties you're having if you don't really know those people. You know, and and so you know, you can put in there. I just don't know what to do. You know, this is this is what's going on, and you know, from the marketing perspective, it's really funny. I talk about how important word of mouth is, right? I can see an ad, I can see an ad, I can see a commercial, all those things. I pay no attention to it, but when a total stranger on Facebook says, "Oh my God, this is the greatest restaurant in the world," I'm like, "Oh, I have to go." Um, you know, and and so it is kind of that. That we we like it when it is a person, whether we know them or not, you know, who is is providing support and guidance. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of that you can remain anonymous mm-hmm. in a way. You know, you can right. put up just your first name you, mm-hmm. you, when you sign up. You don't have to mm-hmm. give your real name, um, mm-hmm. and but you can get the benefit of mm-hmm. having 
having the comfort or the, or the companionship right. of somebody who's halfway mm-hmm. across the country, but mm-hmm. maybe dealing with a similar type mm-hmm. of situation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. You know, and, and I haven't looked in detail at, at, you know, the topics and things like that, or, you know, the actual conversations, but I can just imagine, you know, that, that they are great sources of inspiration and support and leadership. You know, and sometimes you just need that person. I had somebody who contacted me yesterday and she said, I'm 35. I have three small kids and I have stage four triple positive breast cancer. She said, I understand that's what you have. So that's why I'm reaching out to you. Wow. My response to her was to say bad words. And I really am. That's one of the things, you know, I'm not going to, oh, I'm like, and which she responded in laugh. Um, And, and, you know, it was, it really was one of those things where she said, I just need somebody to talk to. And I told her, I said, okay, how do you want to do this? We can do this. I said, we could Zoom. We can just do it here on Facebook. What will help you the most? And I think that's one of the things too, that we as caregivers, we need to ask is that the patients, what do you need and how can we give it to you? You know, that's one of the things people ask me the most is my friend, my partner, my child has X, you know, they're asking me cancer. I don't know what to do. And so then what, typically happens is they do nothing. And we as the patient think they don't love us, right? So, you know, being able to say, can I bring you dinner on Thursday is fabulous. I might say no. I might say, oh, Friday's better. But I can focus on that. If you tell, you know, if you say, hey, Todd, just let me know if you need something. You're never going to say, I need X. Because for one thing, you don't want to impose. You don't want to be a bother. But you also can't think about, hey, I need X. You know, one of the things that I still remember somebody when I was so sick contacted us and said, do your dogs need to go to the vet? (laughs) Right? I mean, just something as simple as that. You know, but if they had said, tell us if we can help, we never would have reached out to them. You know, and and they mean well, that's the thing. But we just, you know, and, and so... Being able to focus that and and being able to ask people, hey, you know, I am dealing with a friend, a parent who has ALS. It's brand new to me. What do I need to do? You know, all of those things. And so that's what I love about your site. Yeah, that's a great point you make in terms of being specific in terms mm-hmm. of not just, hey, let me know if there's anything. Because mm-hmm. people, are, you've got so many things going on and mm-hmm. Most of the time, they're not going to ask, but I liked your suggestion. Hey, can I bring you dinner on Thursday or Friday or whatever night work for you? Mm -hmm. You know, you're suggesting and then they'll Mm -hmm. go, oh, wow, that'd be really great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Well, oh my gosh, Todd, this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, and a little disclaimer, you know, we're, we're wanting to work together on some projects. And so that's how I know you. But even if that wasn't there, I still think what you are doing is so absolutely critical and so valuable. So tell us again, how do people find you and what are the services and and support that you provide? Sure. Yes. Uh, www.mycarefriends.com. It's free to join. Once you join, it's free to connect and join groups. Uh, There's the groups on there you can interact in, just like you were just sharing with everybody. There's 70 right now. And then within the groups, there are forums that Mm -hmm. are current. Mm-hmm. And there are those you can create yourself Okay. on diff- various topics, whatever you'd like to discuss. There's news feeds on there that are mm-hmm. relevant to caregiving and advocacy. So you can go in and check out those articles that are really helpful. Uh, for instance, today I did one on HIPAA and I you know, linked mm-hmm. back to, to that article. There's also online events mm-hmm. that are relevant to various groups mm-hmm. uh, and we'll have the marketplace there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the offline programming. And I say offline, it'll be online, but it's not, it's not part of the community per se programming coming up. We're going to be doing women and autoimmune diseases. We'll be doing something on end of life. We'll Mm -hmm. be doing a whole host of different things. So Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways people can, uh, can benefit from my care friends. I love it. And under the about us, it has the information, obviously, about the entity, and then it has a link to your LinkedIn profile. So people can connect with you there. Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm happy to connect with anybody who has any questions about the site or just about 
caregiving and patient advocacy in general or whatever it may be. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm always to connect with people. I love it. Well, you know, it, these are those things that you wish you didn't have to talk about, right? But as we said, at some point in time, if not right now, people are going to have to deal with being a caregiver. You know, and and so we want people to know that there is a place for you to get support because we don't want them to be forgotten. We we know how important our caregivers are. Absolutely. Everybody, whether you're a caregiver now, you're either going to need one or be one at some point in your life. Or both. That's always both. fun. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. It should have been an and or. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Right. Well, Todd, this has been fantastic. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? Gosh, so if I can narrow it down as a caregiver advocate who's just knows how difficult that is. Number one, we talked about don't don't hesitate to ask for help. Um, it's your life too. Uh, I had to learn that. Um, it, it's not easy sometimes, but you have to do that. And and importantly, um, communicate communicate with whoever you're caring for. Uh, and communicate with the physicians, try and co-create an experience with all of them. That's going to benefit everybody. And at a high level, that's probably the best advice I could give. I love it. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a fascinating and much needed discussion with Todd Keats of My Care Friends, mycarefriends.com, the ultimate caregiver and advocate community. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.